Welcome to the Be Unbound podcast. My name is Jonathan Brush. I'm the president and CEO of Unbound. I'll be hosting today's episode of the Be Unbound podcast, as well as some of the next several podcasts as we are bringing you some special content from our From High School to Higher Purpose virtual events that we're looking forward to sharing with you. I'm recording uh, from Corolla, North Carolina, where I'm here attending a Legacy Alumni event. That's the Legacy is the alumni group for our uh, Unbound program. And so if you're interested in learning more about that program, how that all works, what our alumni look like, and how we have alumni, uh, be sure to check out beunbound.us. We can learn about those things. It's been a really wonderful week. We're down here in North Carolina in the Outer Banks, enjoying the beach, uh, but also enjoying some really cool students who have some really neat stories about their success post-Unbound, as well as just a chance to reconnect with some folks we haven't seen for years as they've gotten on with living their lives after they graduated from Unbound. Uh, so it's been a, a fun week. And and a fun place to be recording from and to be bringing you this podcast uh, today. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us from the From High School to Higher Purpose uh, virtual event. Uh, this is an event where those of us who work for Unbound are trying to take some of the things that we've learned over the years, our experiences, working with lots and lots of different students, and uh, we collected some of the most common questions that we get and thought, hey, what if we put these together, answer some of these, and set it out there for people to learn from and uh, just share the things that we've picked up in the hopes it will be a blessing to you. So we appreciate you joining us. My name is Jonathan Brush. I'm the president and CEO of Unbound, and I'm joined by Victoria Grant, an Unbound graduate and the director of our courses and coaching department for Unbound. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you. This is also the session where we thought it might be good for me to say that if you've watched a few of these, or if this is your first one, uh, your s computer screen does not have a spot on it. I managed to pick up a little head injury here last weekend that required some stitches. And after much debate, we decided the stitches were a little weird looking, uh, and this was the least uh, distracting band-aid to put on it. But uh, if you're looking at that going, is that a spot in his head? And what happened to him? Uh, yes, I had a little uh, incident while I was hauling some wood that required it put back together a few stitches, and it looks a little weird. So uh, just in case you're curious. All right. Well, Victoria and I just recorded a previous session. And if you haven't watched it already, we encourage you to go back and look at that, which talked about um, how do we help our students basically launch? And uh, that's something we get a lot of questions about. How do we help our child find their calling? Uh, what is it that they should do next? How do I help them become independent? And so in some ways, this is sort of a fine tuning of that because we get asked this question probably more than that, which is how do I guide my child to the right school and the right major when it comes to higher education? And here's what I've discovered. Sometimes people really want to know the answer to that question. And then they're not asking it dishonestly. They always think they want to know the answer to that. But I find that most people are asking that as a shortcut for something that's bigger, which is how do I help my child find their calling? How do, how do I help my child go from sleeping on their couch, sleeping on my couch to sleeping on their couch? In other words, this is the kind of, uh, socially acceptable way of asking the big parenting question that every parent's kind of asking, which is, how do I make this transition? How do I, how do I quit my child to be an adult? Uh, but they think that the, the answer to that is sort of these technical questions and how to find a major and all those things. So, so let's see if we can answer a little bit of both of these. In our previous session, we talked about more the bigger question. Uh, here, we want to give you some specific information about choosing majors and choosing the right school, uh, but also maybe expand that out a little bit. So, um, Victoria, let's start with this. What should a student be thinking about when they're thinking about choosing a major? Uh, this is what everybody wants to know. Like, what, you know, I've got to pick a major. And so, what is it that they should be really considering there? 
<laughs> this brings back so many memories of me as a incoming freshman uh, in college, sitting at my dining room table with five or six different degree plans for entirely different degrees and just having no idea which one I wanted or how to even start figuring this out. So this is definitely a little bit personal for me. Uh, but, you know, we've talked um, in a previous session here, and then we talk a lot in Unbound, um, Jonathan mentioned about the big questions. Um, and and honestly, that comes down to purpose first and foremost, right? That's, that's kind of an, an assumed question here um, that your student is thinking about where do they want to go? Where do they want to head? Uh, and that they have spent some time thinking about those bigger questions and the broad direction, because that is going to inform um, and change the direction they go when they choose a school and when they choose a major. Uh, but kind of assuming those things, you know, they've, they've thought about their purpose, they thought about their calling. Um, you can go into more in-depth questions, uh, but but also <laughs> these again, these aren't necessarily going to be technical, at least at first. Uh, students should be asking, why am I here at school in the first place? What do I need to get out of school? And how am I going to do that? That may be a specific degree, uh, and it may be that they need a particular, you know, subset of educational priorities that they need to pursue or to understand to be able to pursue a specific career or to pursue something that they really want to do in life. Uh, it may be that they just need a degree. Maybe they just need to check the box. They know, hey, I'm going to go into a career field. It doesn't really matter what degree, but I need a degree, so I'm going to go for that. Uh, other questions, what what are the gaps in my knowledge or in my education that I need to fill in order to be an effective adult, for starters? Uh, or if there's a specific career field I want to go into to be effective in that. Um, is there, you know, for my career field, if there's something specific I'm interested in, are there major requirements or educational requirements that I can pick? So a, a somewhat obvious example would be, I want to go into the medical field. Okay, well, you, you might need to, you know, depending on the school you want to go into, you may need pre-med, you may need a biology or a chemistry degree, depending on the school you want to go into or that field. So so just taking things like that into account, um, but be willing to back it all the way down to that kind of foundational question of why am I here in the first place? What do I need to get out of school? And how am I going to do that? I think those foundational questions are so important. Those are things we often see are skipped. People have not really, they've assumed some of those foundational questions and they haven't really pursued them well. Uh, when they do so, then that really changes things pretty dramatically. And so uh, that's a great place to start. We also should do some myth busting here. I find people who are really, really, really scared about picking a major because they believe something that's not true. And that is they think that the major that I major in will determine the career that I have my career in, which will determine my future, which determines everything about my life. Um, and again, people don't typically state it that way, but there is a bunch of subconscious unquestioned answers that are often driving those kinds of decisions and those kinds of angst and that kind of stress. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that your major literally has almost nothing to do with your career except for in a couple of specific instances. Uh, so we tell people all the time, if you're interested in nursing, uh, you're going to need a nursing major. If you're interested in engineering, you're going to need an engineering major. After that, with a couple of exceptions, for the most part, what you major in has pretty little to do with the specific career that you get in. Now, what you major in probably has a lot to do with some of your broad skills. And so it's not that that is an unimportant decision, but it's just not one that's worth spending a lot of time stressing over because it's not one that will have a major impact on your long-term career. Uh, I'm my major has nothing to do with what I've done in higher education afterwards, right? But it did prepare me to do that in some interesting ways. Uh, but there's not a direct correlation between what I do in that major. I majored in philosophy and religion, and uh, you know some of those ideas and some of those things and, and some of the academic skills I picked up were really helpful, but obviously it wasn't a direct correlation to my job title afterwards. And that's true for most people that I know. It's likely true for you, especially in a world where technology is changing so fast, uh, disrupting things so fast, and new careers and new opportunities are coming online 
all the time. So hopefully that helps you de-stress a little bit. Uh, use Victoria's guidance here in terms of those foundational questions and some of those more specific questions to determine and walk through that, but don't get super stressed out about what if I picked the wrong major? Um, and then even if you decide that you want to go back and do nursing and engineering later, you know, yeah, there's some efficiency in figuring out the first time through, uh, but that doesn't mean you can't go back, uh, pick up a few classes, readjust a few things and, and do well anyhow. So, so again, don't, don't, don't think it is the thing that you have to know the answer to for everything else to work. Instead, use it as a process of discovery. However, sometimes it's helpful to know how that goes together. Uh, we find lots of times that people know they have to pick a major, but they're not really sure what a major means or how it's actually structured. And so the good news is, uh, most colleges and universities are accredited using a lot of similar standards. They do, do differ by region, but the regional standards for accreditation in the United States have lots of the same overlaps in terms of how majors and degrees are structured. So Victoria, walk us through that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how a degree is structured and what somebody should know as they're thinking about it from this, from the, from the standpoint of how it's designed. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a little bit of a simplification, but not much because like you just said, Jonathan, most degrees across the board follow the, roughly the same breakdown um, in terms of the, the different major components in that. So most degrees uh, from most colleges are about 120 credit hours, which equates to about 40 classes, about four years of study. Uh, some students will go faster, some students will take longer. That's typically how it's broken up. And that degree is divided into roughly... Uh, three different parts. And so there's your general education credits. These will be your liberal arts uh, type courses. Uh, we, we dog and unbound about, you know, it's, it's the knowledge you need to run the Republic. You need to have a basic, you know, basic understanding in math and in history and in literature and in English and writing. Um, those are things and skills that you need to be an effective citizen. Um, so those are covered in your gen ed classes. And those honestly are are basically the same from school to school. Schools will obviously differ a little bit in how they break that down and the different um, categories and, and what fills them. But across the board, it's the same kinds of classes that you'll be taking. Everyone at a school has to take those same classes. So a lot of times they'll be going into a college um, and those first, you know, history 101, government 101, whatever that case may be, will have uh, a high number of students because everyone is required to take that. Then you're going to have your core classes. That's that area of study. And that's typically broken into your lower level classes and then your upper level classes, which are a little bit harder. But so roughly a third, but maybe a little bit less than a third of your degree is going to be comprised of those core classes. And that's that's your major. So that's <laughs> if you're there to study, you know, English specifically, you might take one or two English classes in your gen ed classes. But the bulk of that deep study and the those classes that you're going to take in English will be in that core area, those core classes. And you'll take a lot of the, you know, take some of those in those first two years, but especially in the, the last two years of your degree, that's typically where those will fall. Uh, and then finally, the last give or take third, usually a little bit more than a third of your degree is going to be your free electives. Um, and this is honestly where you can have a lot of fun. Uh, if there's courses you want to take that uh, that don't really apply necessarily to uh, to either category of your general education or your core classes, um, but just sound fun, you know, or take a piano class or, you know, a fencing class or whatever the case may be, those will fit into your free electives. Um, and so you'll have some room there to kind of fill in the gaps or if there's, you know, other areas you're interested in kind of outside of your core major classes, then you could fit those into the free electives as well. So basically 120 credits, give or take, typically divided into roughly thirds. Um, that'll be your gen ed, your core classes, and then your free electives. 
And if you know that, that really helps put things in perspective when it comes to choosing a major, right? So, so you know, let me repeat what Victoria just said. Only a third of your classes are going to actually be in your major. Uh, Two-thirds of your college experience will be electives and general education courses. Um, uh, and so that should help you sort of understand that, you know, picking a particular major has a little bit of an outsized influence in the imagination versus reality when it comes to how that impacts your future career choices and, and things of that nature. Here's something that we're noticing as a new trend, and you should kind of keep in mind of this as well. Let me just use a quick example for this. More and more, the majors that people have mean very little to employers. And I know this as an employer, right? So I employ people for Unbound. I've employed people for uh, a long time. Uh, for almost 20 years, I've been in a position where I hire a lot of people, right? And in all those positions, I've hired a lot of marketing people. Uh, marketing degrees from an employment standpoint to me are pretty much completely useless. And what I mean by that is that uh, marketing is changing so fast because of technology and social media that whatever somebody learned in college probably has little to do with what's actually happening in the marketing world right now. Uh, the, the information is outdated. There may be some general principles, but for the most part, you know, when I'm looking for marketing people, I'm looking for specific skills. You know, I may need somebody that is a really phenomenal Instagram marketer or can really build a certain kind of page for a website or, or can learn a certain particular kind of code. And, and there's almost no chance that the college that they attended even knew about that, let alone taught it to any degree that's particularly useful. And so what, what helps, you know, when I go and look for somebody that's only have a marketing degree, that, that means nothing to me. In fact, it may be a liability in some ways because it probably has the full of outdated information they have to relearn. Instead, what's much, much, much more useful to me is, is a certification. So if that same student has a certification that says, I have a certification that says I know about Instagram marketing, and I look up that certification and I see that multiple people have hired folks with that certification and said they were Instagram marketing wizards, um, then I'm really excited about hiring somebody with that particular certification. So just know that in terms of job and professional stuff, from a practical standpoint, certifications are becoming more and more important. Uh, they are uh, smaller than degrees, right? They're less expensive. They take less time to earn. Therefore, they're much more flexible. Uh, you can earn them quicker and they can be redesigned faster. And then there's a, because of the communication of the, of the internet and the social media and stuff like that, I, I don't have to know uh, who issues your certification. I just need to look and see, did that certification, was it issued? What does it say it requires? And now is there some companies out there that have hired people with certifications can verify the people that have them actually know those things. And if they do, uh, then that's, that's really good social proof. And that's probably all I need to then feel good about making that hire. Uh, so anyhow, as you're thinking about majors, Think in broad terms there. Don't stress out much about choosing your major. Pick what makes sense to you uh, and then realize that certifications are probably the way that you'll add a lot of value from a resume or employment standpoint in terms of letting an employer know that you know the information that makes sense that they need for the job. So. As we finish up this segment, let's shift a little bit because there's a big question um, that is behind a lot of things that, that I think a lot of Christian parents are particularly scared about. And we run across this a lot. And that question is, what if my child takes a course that requires them to study uh, or argue in favor of views not supported by scripture? And look, the reality is that um, with the exception of some really great Christian colleges, lots and lots of your students that are listening to this are going to take courses that are taught from a secular viewpoint. Um, and those courses in some ways can be quite anti-Christian. So Victoria, let's start with you. You not only have a lot of academic experience, but Victoria has some graduate experience in apologetics. And so this is something she's uniquely qualified to discuss. 
Um, so what if my child is required to take a course uh, that has them study things that I disagree with or, or maybe even uh, kind of have to argue in favor of, of viewpoints that are not, not supported by scripture or our beliefs uh, from a Christian standpoint? Mm. This is actually a really important question to me. Uh, there is a quote contentiously attributed to Aristotle, and I don't pretend to know who actually said it, uh, but the quote says, it is the mark of an educated mind to entertain a thought without accepting it. And that was definitely a key principle um, in my own education. I was actually home educated all the way through high school. Um, and that was a principle that my parents really instilled. And I'm, I'm gonna be careful here because Obviously, this is this is deeply individual. Uh, there is a point in a child's life where they are not ready to do something like this. There was a point in my life where I was not ready to do something like this, and and that is a, a benefit of homeschooling. Is you you are <laughs> intimately acquainted with your child's education, and you can kind of keep a pulse on when that is. On the flip side, I will say it in my own experience. You know, growing up in a, a broad homeschool community. Um, and then, yeah, as I've gone since then and continue to work with homeschoolers, a lot of times we operate under a great deal of fear about this rather than confidence. Um, and so when kids see a refusal to engage with other worldviews or, or kind of that fear, uh, typically there are, are two responses, either that makes that you know, alternate worldview more appealing because of the, you know, shrouded in mystery and all this, um, or, or there is this kind of innate fear, like, oh my goodness, I should just stay away from that. Not sure. Um, and, and obviously, yes, wisdom dictates, right? There's, there's discernment and there's, there's being very careful and wise and cautious in, in how we engage with different worldviews. But I would also argue that, um, that the goal of education and in someone's life, Jonathan talked about, you know, helping them to become independent is to help them develop strength enough in what they believe and the logic and, you know, critical thinking skills necessary to not fear other worldviews. You know, truth should not be afraid, um, but how to engage with them wisely. So, so yes, protect, uh, but do so in order to prepare your child so that when protection, you know, is no longer an option, that person is ready um, and able to do that. And even a you know, funny example, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, I, I've had to do exercises like this before, you know, where you're kind of debating one other side um, that maybe you don't even agree with. But that exercise, um, A, you know, it, it gives you the the ability to entertain different thoughts and different worldviews without accepting them. Um, and it also gives you a, a much better understanding of the other person's point of view. You know, at the end of the day, we, we want to share the gospel with the world. And when we better understand where someone else is coming from, it helps us to then better share truth with them. So, so kind of some unique perspectives based on my experience, but I, I would argue that education should, um, should be, you know, aimed in the direction of giving somebody the, the critical thinking and logic and, and strong uh, mental skills to be able to do something like this without fear. And I would just add to that really great summary, uh, just one point, which is in Unbound, especially in our Navigate class, we teach students all the time about asking great questions. And very often I find myself telling students who I coach individually and teaching in my classes. And I say, uh, you know, I don't know the question that you probably don't know the question that either. The important thing is you keep asking the question. Um, uh, or I'm not sure if I said that correctly. I, I don't know the answer to that. You probably don't know the answer either. The important thing is that you keep asking the question. Um, and sometimes that's all that's necessary to so keep asking the question. And when it comes to being exposed to viewpoints that are different from ours, being exposed to uh, an academic situation where there's a disagreement with core fundamentals of the faith, 
Uh, having a couple of questions that you continually ask, how does this line up with the scripture? Why or why or why not does this kind of work? Um, why does this make sense or why would this not make sense? Uh, in light of what I understand from what I understand to be true about the reality of the world and God and, and those, how those things interact. In other words, a set of questions that are just taught early to a student, and this is a fundamental sort of parenting responsibility, in my opinion, uh, can do wonders to then allowing that student to be exposed to all kinds of different beliefs and yet be able to take those beliefs, understand them, and be able to put them in context of why or why not they actually lead someone closer or farther from the truth. Uh, one last plea. We desperately need Christian young people who deeply understand the arguments and ideas of our age and then are able to explain why they don't make sense. And we cannot get there unless we expose our young people to the arguments of this age, but we have to do it with the right, uh, you know, equipping them with the right questions to ask, the right places to go to find those answers and to, to sort of judge those things. And so uh, I guess a plea for us to be adventurous and bold enough and to trust God enough to allow our students to be exposed to these things, but also plead to equip them well so they can then take that and use that to move forward and help uh, people that desperately need to see it, uh, expose them to the truth and, and tell them the story that makes the difference and, and that makes this world make sense. So thanks for listening. Uh, you can find more information about all these things at beunbound.us, what Unbound does. Uh, we'd be delighted to have you check out our Navigate course where we teach some of these fundamental things we're talking about in terms of asking questions. And our Ascend program is our projects-based higher education program to help your child earn a fully accredited degree, but do that in a very unique way, um, and offers some really powerful, in our opinion, certifications, certifications that show that our students are uniquely equipped to be much better at normal life than most other people and the kinds of real skills that normal life requires for them to make a difference in the world. So check us out at beunbound.us, and thanks for joining us.